Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 423. Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy, remotely dialing in to Johnny V as I can't get enough hang of me, buddy. in... No, I was home for one week. That was one time in studio with you, and I decided to hit the road yet again. What does that say about me? Everything everyone needs to know. If I, <laughs> if I have now been away from you something like four out of the last five weeks or five out of the last six, I'm just saying you should take a hint. Hey, listen, my family hasn't left me yet. I feel pretty good. Well... That's I keep then, I keep the I doors locked. Doing all right. but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tonight, of course, USDGC and Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championships on our mind. Really, the you know the second big, second to last big event of the year. We'll also talk about the next big event of the year, which is going to be next week, of course, uh, when we're talking about the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship. But this week, Throw Pink and USDGC on the mind. Of course, there's some other news and things that have come about. Uh, we'll talk about a few of the hot topics that are going on uh, out there in the disc golf community. And like I said, we'll talk about this week's major and big events. But before we do that, it's it's almost like this... It's October. I, I think about my old high school days. I think about what it would be like to have been friends with this guy. So in our glorious home, homecoming of sorts, we're going to bring in Dana Mite, Dana Vichy. Dana, buddy, pal, we miss you. How you doing? I, I got to bring up the stinger. I cannot believe you still have that intro <laughs> that uh, you guys care. You didn't, uh, you didn't throw that. that in the trash can. You could say that, or or we're a little too lazy to uh, get around to cleaning up files. So <laughs> either way, either we love you and don't want to forget you, or just simply too lazy to do our jobs better. Either way, you're here. And Dana, it's been way too long. What's going on, buddy? <sighs> 
not not a whole lot. Uh, just living living life, work, kids, trying to squeeze some disc golf in, fighting injuries as I get older. You know, watching and enjoying uh, enjoying the show that uh, we've had all year long on the on the disc golf network. Uh, watch watching disc golf, trying trying to take it in, and yeah. So just just because there's a few people that are new here, Disc Golf continues to grow. You continue to sell discs and work with Disc Mania. You continue to design and develop courses. But for those who aren't intimately familiar with you, uh, give everyone a super quick uh, rundown in your background here and uh, and why you're a regular uh, here on the show. Yeah, Smashies. Uh, for, for those uh, that have been tuning in over these last couple of years, uh, I started on from the beginning, Smashbox number one with Terry and Johnny and was a, a weekly guest would come in and talk about the previous week's events and uh, other random news, typically before uh, before the, the main guest. Uh, but yeah, these last few years have found me busy with uh, family. I've got a couple of young kids and a real job now. I used to travel around and play disc golf and design courses and all that. I still do play disc golf, but just more casually and still do design courses. But, uh, yeah, now, uh, I work for Discmania and, um, yeah, just been, been a blink. It's hard to, I don't even remember the last episode I've been on and I know it was pretty sporadic, uh, before then, but it, it has been a while. All right. Well, uh, of course, welcome back. We're always glad to have you anytime. And like you said, you've been quite busy, especially with two young kids that like to go to bed right when we start. I don't know. I don't know if you're not training them right, but um, don't listen to Terry when it comes to children in bedtime. OK, like we, we are all in different spots. My kids go to bed at like seven to maybe. Yeah, my, my daughter goes to bed at seven. My son, usually about eight thirty. Terry's kids go to bed the next day. Usually the clock strikes 12 and they're like, maybe it's bedtime after I check in a few more social media, TikTok sites. Uh, I mean, just, just the older one. So, um, but with that, Dana, you know, I think back to many, many years ago, you were at the USDGC, you've played in a couple of them and you know how big the USDGC is. And so it is, it's awesome to have you here. And here we are now two nights ahead. They've pushed it back. Typically for the last few years, we've been starting on Wednesday. So Tuesday night has led right into a Wednesday start this year. They're pushing it back. It's Wednesday through, uh, I'm sorry, Thursday through Sunday, but talk to us about you know, as, as someone who works for a manufacturer, someone who's played, someone who's a professional, and then yet you work intimately with, you know, professionals like Eagle and Simon and Ella and, and, you know, everyone else on Team Disc Mania that you know. What does this week kind of mean for disc golf and for our players? <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Traditionally, it had been the culmination of, of the year. Uh, historically, USDGC uh, was was the final event of of the season, the final major event of the season. Of course, there'd be some uh, random eight tiers and uh, usually down south. But uh, yeah, it's it's the it's the culmination of of the season. Uh, and now we've we've got the Disc Golf Pro Tour Finals uh, the following week. So it's it's really the the big uh, the grand finale. 
of, of the year. It's been a long year. It's, the season starts in February now, and there's huge events, uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour, whether on the regular tour or Silver Series. We're back to having majors again. So long season, and uh, this is kind of the, you know, it's in the player, you know, it's in the back of their minds all, all year, and it's it's been getting bigger and bigger, and then, you know, just had this epic East Coast swing, and then right down into Rock Hill, and uh, it's usually uh, great weather, although there's been a few uh, few rainy years, but Man, you there's no no place I'd rather be uh, in early October than than Rock Hill, South Carolina. I've, I've got some really great memories of playing disc golf, hanging out, um, doing Monday qualifying, not getting not qualifying, of course, but uh, trying to qualify. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I think I played played in the event maybe five times in in my career, and uh, I've I've got some really special memories uh, from playing there because it. it it's just, you know, rag on it all you want, call it, call it what you will. It's, it's the, it's one of the biggest events of the year and it, it means a lot, uh, to the players. And it, it meant a lot to me when I was playing to, to qualify and to play and to cash and, um, you know, play with my heroes and watch them, watch them win and, you know, watch the action go down on hole 17 and, uh, Know, thinking about some playoffs that I saw there as well, uh, but yeah, just great, great vibes all around, and it, it it takes me back to my early days and when I was just getting into disc golf. I got a the USDGC uh, DVD from uh, where uh, Kenny and Barry have have the playoff, and uh, I just watched that. I wore that DVD out so many times, and um, and then yeah to to have gotten to play there and then now to watch it's it's pretty cool yeah and and to think you know living in yesteryear and in talking about what this event has meant to disc golf we think about usually the largest payouts of the year were here and of course the pro tour championship has come along and and kind of dwarfed that in the last couple of years but you know, it was always this anticipation of was it going to be six or eight or 10 or whatever, or $15,000. And we were talking about the largest payouts. I remember a very big conversation piece was, hey, the top 20 are getting $1,000. And that was truly groundbreaking and unheard of at the time. And now, again, as we've continued to grow and thrive, it's crazy to think like the payouts are are so much grander now just in general where this doesn't even necessarily stand out from a payouts perspective although it'll be hefty i'm sure but it's it's been interesting to see this evolution and and payout is a big reason yeah yeah and then another you know major thing that's evolved is the throw pink is is bringing mm-hmm. bringing the and uh, historically, had just been uh, USCGC, one division, one champion, and we'd have a few female competitors over the years. Shout out Juliana, I believe the only uh, female to ever cash, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. But yeah, so we've got the we've got the throw pink, so we've got we've got the best women here in the world competing at at, at the arena or Winthrop Gold. Um, so yeah, just super exciting, and um, you know to 
now this year it's going to be live on the disc golf network. There's no paywall. Um, get to watch disc golf all day for, for four days in a row. If you want, um, I know I'm, I'll, I'll have it in on the background or at least have a earbud in listening, uh, listening to the broadcast. Yeah, it's been, um, you know, we've under, we've under, we've seen the media here also, undergo just like the course and just like the philosophy to the rules and everything else usdgc has never been shy about taking on a new approach and i think that's been very evident even from a media perspective whether it's very early goings of pay-per-view some of the earliest event to ever be broadcast live in general with this golf planet tv uh, different pay-per-view models some post-production some delayed post-production uh just really everything everything that's ever been tried in disc golf at one point i feel like has been tried at this event as well so what do you think about the model we've landed on that everything is available assuming you're a standard disc golf network subscriber do you feel like that should appease enough people dana yeah i think so i mean it it provides uh value for the pro tour and the disc golf network to not have it behind a paywall and um even though like i understood last year why why it was behind a paywall but you know there are some pretty loud voices out there as as there usually are about about it you know being a ripoff that you had to pay and all that but i understood it but i'm I'm glad that whatever happened happened and it's now part of uh the subscription and you know i'm hopeful that you know, the Disc Golf Network sees a nice bump in, in subs this this week and that, uh, you know, that you guys and the rest of the team can can put on a, a heck of a show like you have all year long. It's really funny because normally I push for um, options. Like I always want people to have as many options as you want. So if you want to pay for USDGC, do it. If not, don't. Um, but they really took that away from you this year, so to speak, by making it part of the uh, the, the regular slate. And then also at the beginning of the season, there was like a one or $2 increase, which probably more or less covered what your payment would have been. So you were just, everybody was made to pay for the event, whether you wanted it or not. And I think a lot of people, a lot more people are happy with a pay increase and it including USDGC versus maybe a lower price point and having to pay for USDGC separate. It's all about perception, honestly. Good point there, Johnny. Yeah, I've, um, you know, no matter what, you're going to find people that are going to have their version or their complaint or their, um, you know, they're going to want their way with it. I mean, I even saw somebody today make a post that basically said, wait, I, I don't know what's going on. And, um, almost had this frustrated feeling and it's like, no, 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 you're already a member. You know, they, they stated as much you're already a member, just go click on it. Like, it's that easy. Like, there should be no no complaint, so to speak, whatsoever uh, if you're already uh, a member and tuned in and ready to go. So, um, you know, of course, Dana, as a course designer yourself and just in general, like I said, they're never shy about pushing the envelope or getting creative when it comes to course design. And to me, one of the biggest stories of this year and it's it's subtle in a lot of ways, but removing the upper rope and only having the lower rope and and just having that change like what's what is your initial take on on how they've done that this year? 
Yeah, so I've I've been casually following along. So the upper rope no longer there, but they've got a mowing. They've or they have ceased to mow um, along the out of bounds line and have a string along the bottom. Yes, and I'll, and I'll I'll add on to that. Not only is it a string, they came in with. I figured it'd be a fancier tool, but no, they went the hard way with this. They said they came in with two um, uh, like weed whackers at like 45 degree angles uh, opposing each other and essentially like created a trench of sorts. And that's what the, the OB string. So it's basically laid, you know, flush or even below grade. And mm. it's, that's what's laid on the ground for the thousands upon thousands of feet. Like I thought they had, there's some fancy, I don't know, light trenching tool they used. No, it was two people, you know, edging, uh, through thousands and thousands of feet and then, and then secured the rope, not only within the trench, but then also secured it to the ground additionally, where there's no upper rope whatsoever. I could have just sent my kid there to do weed whacking because I think that's how he does it. <laughs> it's in my yard wow. when, when we're done. <laughs> At angle from two different yeah. sides? <laughs> well, more or less. I mean, whatever. okay. <laughs> so, well, no, my, I think that's, that's really I mean, interesting. The way that the way they're yeah, doing I haven't seen any pictures of it yet. Uh, yeah, I could, I could put some out there, but, um, you know, Dana, the rope was kind of, I don't want rope wasn't invented at the USDGC, but rope identifying artificial OB. I mean, that, that's, that's a patented Sunstein move of the USDGC for more than 20 years. Yeah, pretty, I mean, again, love it or hate it. It was iconic. It's part of part of the arena, part of Winthrop Gold was was the rope and the, the upper level. But um, I like the evolution. I like the, the sound of it, the, the more natural look. Um, and then also, you know, part of, you know, as we've transitioned from out of bounds to hazards and places and then, you know, that upper rope getting in the way. So it's going to be nice that, you know, one, discs aren't going to hit stakes. They're not going to hit the rope. Players are, if they're, you know, find themselves in the hazard, they're going to be able to, you know, not have to navigate throwing over a rope or uh, whatever, whatever the case. But, you know, I've got to, got to hand it to the, to Innova and the USDGC crew. You know, they've, they've done a lot of things. Some they've whiffed on some of it. Um, others, others, they've hit the nail on the head. And this sounds like a, a nice, a nice change and something that, um, you know, we might might see moving forward because uh, let's face it, the USDGC, it it has an effect on the disc golf world. Um, and we kind of saw that uh, when I was in my touring days, uh, I, I used to call it the USDGC effect. You'd, I'd go to an A tier and they'd have their, you know, their a solid course tricked out with insane OB and tight and crazy rules and all of this. And uh, hey, it wasn't man. always great. Every A tier had a hay bale hole at one point. I think <laughs> it was it was like everybody wanted to be hole seventeen for a few year for like a year or two. I remember even Mad City Open. We went there one year, and I'm like, oh cool, they've got a hay bale island hole this year again. And they really do set the set the tone when they try something new. It feels like it really does trickle down into the rest of disc golf for better or worse. Sometimes. Yeah, I I haven't seen too many uh, mozzarella sticks out there, but um, <laughs> definitely hay bales and and uh, 
very tight out of bounds, but again, some, some of it for better, some of it for worse. And, uh, yeah, these, uh, this, this team here at, at Winthrop and Innova, they, they put their heart and soul into it. And, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it. Um, <clears throat> I got another quick story that I got out of JP yesterday. Jonathan Poole, uh, event coordinator, who's been in charge for you know a couple decades. Uh, as they're going to play a hole three to four uh, this year, uh, quote unquote safari hole. He said that more than twenty five years ago, when him and his buddy came out here and would play their own safari layout before they even started talking about a USDGC existing. That was the hole that they played was from three's tee to four's basket. And he says there's just something exciting and surreal about all of these years later. You know, of course, it's been two separate holes or variations of those holes now for two decades. And for them to play, he said that was the original hole ever designed before the USDGC was the USDGC. And it was just such a cool story. Him and a college buddy who came out and, and used to play the course, you know, and would make up their own holes. And then that's when that kind of became the, um, you know, the starting grounds for him then pitching to Harold, hey, let's take our, our existing course, let's trick it out, make it way more difficult, and then let's offer this, you know, as an elite series event, um, you know, that went on to be the USDGC. So pretty cool to hear that story. <clears throat> so... Uh, you know, Dana, of course, there's a lot of conversation USDGC. Last year, we, though, saw, or two years ago, we saw Throw Pink step up into a void because there was uh, one less major for the women, uh, being the United States Women's Disc Golf Championships didn't take place in 2020 due to COVID. So then at that point, Sarah Nicholson and Innova and the crew all said, hey, we're going to hold a Throw Pink event. And then that has become essentially a staple here in at Winthrop as well, now called the Winthrop Arena. Um, does there need to be a different distinction? And, and what I mean by that is, you know, people are naturally kind of treating it like it's also a major, even though technically it's not, but it very much still feels like one. We're on the same grounds. They get treated as well um, as any men, you know, have throughout the years. And, do we care about a distinction if it's a major or a large scale A tier? Is there, is there a change that needs to happen? I think there's a change that could happen. Um, there's, there's a lot at play there because obviously the, you know, we've got the United States women's disc golf championship, which uh, was in Madison, Wisconsin earlier this year and, and rotates throughout the country. And, uh, but from, from my chair, it almost feels like we've we've probably outgrown that model for the women, and that they uh, this is no knock on any U.S. women's disc golf championships, but they they deserve a, a major uh, in the in the same vein as the the men do with the United States disc golf championships. Um, so, I I personally would. Uh, wouldn't mind seeing it it be a major for the women and possibly you know the united states women's disc golf championships as well that 
that just kind of uh, on paper anyways, just look, looking at it from the outside without considering any of the, the back end politics or back end things that not everybody is thinking about. Um, I think it would, it would be great for the women. And then maybe that, uh, you know, throw pink, you know, can be a, a rotating event because, you know, the United States women's disc golf championship is it's not just open. It's, it's all, all the different divisions. So there's a, there's some things to work through on that. And, um, but you know, again, on, on paper, just talking here with you guys, it, to me, it, it makes sense to, to make it a major for the women and possibly call it the, you know, United States women's disc golf championships. Um, so they have that end of year major and that, um, you know, always like, like the men are always looking forward to, to Winthrop and everything, but it, and that's not to take anything away from what they've built, what Sarah has built and Innova has built with the throw pink, because it is every bit of a major. It just doesn't have that M next to it. So, um, yeah. It's, is it, it'll be is interesting. It crazy? I say it'll be interesting next year when USWDGC is in late September, and then you've got two weeks before Throw Pink. I mean, it. I, I think that the way Throw Pink is being is perceived as, as we all say, it feels like a major. It does. I mean, they are getting treated just as well as every other male professional out there. So there is almost other than the behind the scenes stuff. There's no distinction between the major at USDGC and the throw pink. But when you put the USWDGC two weeks in front of this, I'll say USWDGC has gotten some flack over the last few years. I feel like this year in Madison really picked it up. A lot of people were wishy-washy about the courses, but it proved to be very solid competition for many of the women. But I will say next year, USWDGC has to be better or it's going to look it's it's not going to look good coming two weeks before throw pink. I have a hard time saying, you know, it needs, needs to be better because I, I feel like the, the hosts have, you know, lived up to what, what they should, what they had signed up for. Yeah. And that's, you know, yeah. we're talking it's a lot of perception talking though, unfortunately. Pre, yeah. And we're talking pre pre pandemic and mm-hmm. the, a lot has changed and we're talking about, you know, events like, being awarded the U S women's disc golf championship. And then, you know, we had a, had a, the pandemic and pushed back. So it's going to be interesting to see with obviously it on the schedule next year, if, if there is going to be a major change. And um, I'd also, you know, would, would be really interested to hear what uh, you know, what the women think and what the, the throw pink organizers uh, think and what, what they want. Um, So I, uh, again, this is just my my personal opinions from here, but uh, again, there's a lot a lot of different things at play, and then as mentioned, there's you know the politics behind it more or less because we're we're talking about a major that is owned by Innova, not by the PDGA, where uh, the U.S. Women's Disc Golf Championships is a that's a PDGA major. So there's there's a lot of things at play. Do they? you know, does Innova just get the major? Do they want the major? And, you know, do they want to continue with the throw pink? So. Yeah. And I think, and and maybe to put this to bed, uh, the one final thought I have is we, I think we just need to evaluate, either evaluate or reevaluate what we want 
out of the U.S. Women's Championships, which has been this collection of women as one of the largest women's only events that takes place every year. And it's it's truly been this like family togetherness, everybody atmosphere. And, and we all know from being at and running large scale events, it's nearly impossible these days to appease everyone from an eight-year-old to an 88-year-old in both amateur and professional rankings to not only appease them in terms of the scoring and and the the course challenges that present themselves, but then from an extracurricular standpoint, it's very difficult to make sure you're planning activities that apply to a 13-year-old as well as a 73-year-old where everyone's engaged and having a good time. Like That's a massive undertaking, and so I, I definitely do not want to under- play any of that challenge. And I think that's the same conversation we've had about our worlds, both pro and am and age protected and junior and everything else is what are, what's our end goal? Are we most focused on most people? Are we focused on the competition? Are we focused on uh, family camaraderie and togetherness? Like those are all the different things that have to be discussed because then I think you, you, you really uh, tunnel in or you really hone in on the overall um, events uh, deliverables because it's, it's otherwise impossible. I mean, the USWBGC, this, this weekend has 40 some women that are all our top professionals that qualified. That is not the same mentality as the USWDGC has. It's very different. So we just need to recognize and, and proceed with caution. And the USWDGC has always been, um, almost on a weekend of its own. There's, it, there's not competing with anything. Like, there's no Correct. men to overshadow it. So, like it or not, this throw pink, still, it, it, it's, it, they're treated just as well, everything. But let's be honest, the focus is USWD or USDGC. That is the bigger focus for a lot of people. Whether some people are FPO fans and they're probably watching throw pink and excited, but USDGC is a, is a beast. It's, it's a, it's yeah. a history it's a, you know, and it's hard not to be overshadowed if you're throw pink. And so it just, there is something nice about USWDGC being by itself, being the focal point of an entire weekend where you don't have to think about, well, is there going to be a Paul Ricky battle? Nobody cares. Yeah, sure. So, so. Know, again, it's all what we want out of the events. We've talked about this a couple of times over the last few weeks. And what does Throw Pink want and what does USWDGC want? We'll figure that out so, the next year or two. We'll, we'll, we'll shift kind of in. I mean, this is in a similar conversation, but this kind of feels like we could segue into the new schedule. That's kind of been the big news is that we've seen the new schedule released for 2023 when it comes to our Elite Series uh, events. You know, majors have been decided upon and such, but Elite Series events, namely the Disc Golf Pro Tour and the Silver Series, excuse me, the Silver Series and the Euro Tour mm, events. Mm. Uh, it's just silver now. They're just silver events. It's not Silver Series. They've renamed them. They're just the silver events. Okay, I hope I hope I didn't confuse anyone then. I'm just saying, Terry, it, we want to be grammatically correct here. <laughs> since when? Um, <laughs> so, Dana... The question is, um, and, I, and I'm guessing you didn't sit down, you're not on tour, and you didn't pull out your calendars and start, you know, you know, etching things in, but was there anything that did 
you know, jump off the page at you? Any either shocks or surprises or, or uh, you know, things that you just were in, in complete disbelief of? Anything? Um, one, one big one, and this is just personally, but um, been working closely with, uh, with some partners and, and friends up in Canada. And uh, one of them being Ben Smith, who is who's ran the Canadian Nationals, uh, the last handful of uh, iterations of that event. Uh, he's now working uh, to run the Discmania Open in Canada, and, and seeing that pop up on the uh, as a silver event uh, was was an, a pleasant surprise. Although they are they are coming out of uh, they they were hit pretty hard by that hurricane. Um, the first one, I, I'm forgetting the name of it, but anyways, their courses were hit pretty hard. So, uh, a, a July date, uh, was, was a little bit of a surprise, but, uh, as I understand there's, they're in, they're talking with the pro tour about how to, uh, approach that. But, um, yeah, seeing one of the other things that really jumped out, uh, was the elite, Plus, uh, we've got a couple of those. Uh, hopefully, I called it the right thing. Uh, don't, <laughs> I don't want to confuse you, Johnny. Um, but uh, I believe Ledgestone and, and the Portland Open are going to be Elite Plus events. So uh, have to imagine, you know, we know what the Ledgestone is. And uh, the Portland Open has been a, a, a newer event that there's – you know, just a killer scene out in Portland. Um, they've been at the Glendevere the last couple of years, a, an amazing venue. So I'm, I'm excited to see what, what that turns into. But um, those those were a, a few of the first thoughts was the the addition of the plus and then uh, seeing, seeing the Discmania open uh, on there. Yeah, I feel like the Elite Plus series is it's a way to emphasize specific events and I, I and they're worth more points. They're worth more tour points. They're supposed to be probably bigger purses, better fan experience, more media, whatever that means. We don't know that yet, but I kind of feel like making the Portland an an elite plus is a way to help force players hands to go there. Because we saw a few players that just don't make the West Coast swing. Or they may pick a different event. I feel like this might be a way to kind of make sure that all of our top pros are hitting the events that we want them to. Um, I think that it, it's, it might not be the primary reason, but it's definitely a secondary reason. Maybe. I don't know. As as I understand it, and you know, most players, like that West Coast swing is coveted. Uh, and yeah. in the early part of the year, the player players love it. Um, the fans are great out there. Um, so yeah, the interest. So, I'm not sure I agree with that, but maybe it was in in the back back of the minds uh, of the pro tour organizers. I mean, it's really, yeah, the West Coast. It's, it's really pricey that, to go out to the West Coast. We all know it. We know players that you know will win events out there and still come out at a loss. You know, it's. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was, a, a, you know, talking about the West Coast. I know there's been a, a ton of chatter, uh, mainly from disc golfers out West, at the, the lack of events in that region. 
and it's you know you look at you look at that overhead map and it's heavy midwest and, and east coast where you know disc golf is huge out out on the west coast as well and in those mountain states and it's uh don't really see too much on there uh i know this last this year uh we saw the match play stop over in colorado and i personally love love seeing uh the the change of scenery and the change of style of golf because as as we all know mountain golf is its own beast so uh it it would be great to see a maybe a a little bit more uh in in terms of the mountains um and and maybe some more more love on the west coast but uh you know for me here in my chair it was just fun fun to see and start speculating and thinking about Oh, can I go? Can I go to this event, or can I, you know, do this? Of course, I'm not talking about playing. I don't even, don't even know if I'll be able to get into any of these events anymore. But I could go watch. I could vend now. Put up a uh, disc mania tent. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a, a couple of things to that. First of all, uh, how, how do you feel about the general response when? It, it sounds as if players kind of stated, hey, we don't like playing at ele- elevation. You know, you mentioned, yeah, it's a different challenge, but some players basically have the mentality of, we don't want to go play in that place where you're essentially playing very different golf for one weekend or, or two weekends out of the year. Do you fall in the camp of, yeah, that's understandable. Why have it be so drastically different one, one or two weeks out of the year? Or do you fall in the camp of, hey, suck it up, you're a professional, dealing with different winds, different weathers, different temperatures, different elevations. That's all part of being a professional disc golfer. Do you fall in one of those two camps, Dana? Yeah, I do. Um, I think it's uh, a little little ridiculous to, to put up a big stink about going and playing in the mountains. I, I want to see our players uh, – go throughout the season and, and play in different, you know, in, in different venues and different styles of golf. We've got wooded courses. We've, you know, we've got the hybrid golf course layouts. We've got the, you know, Maple Hill. We've got all these different styles of courses. And to, you know, I want to see the best players go out and, and win in different environments or see how, how they play I know that they're not a you know a strong woods player. I want to I want to go see them play in the woods. If they're not you know, if, I want to see someone you know get out of their their comfort zone and you know play in these different regions. And I think that's also important for the growth of the pro tour and growth of the sport. We need to touch uh, as many of these regions as possible and and build the fan base and build the professional side of things and, and show you know, show these towns and cities what, what the pro tour is, is all about. And, uh, so yeah, I, I definitely fall on, on the side of let's play different styles of disc golf, even if it's only one, one or two weekends in in the middle of the year or whatever, whatever portion of the year I want to see it. And then, you know, as if I was a player, if I was still a player, I'd, I would, uh, embrace it. Or, you know, if, if I dislike it so much, then I like I've always done, I would not go if there's, you know, an event that I don't like the course or the, the region or whatever it is, I, I'm not going to go. And so don't sign up or, you know, you're not going to be on the coverage. You're going to lose points. You're not going to, you know, be, be out there. 
meet new players, meet new fans in, in different places. It's a great opportunity to grow not only your brand, promote the brand that you play for, but, you know, promote disc golf in general. Unless you show up, play terrible, and then have a bad attitude about it. And then it might have been better you just didn't show up at all. And, and I'm I'm just being devil's advocate here, you know, like you said. No. Some players have actively said, yeah, I don't like that style of golf. I don't like those style of courses. You know, I, I'm likely either not going to perform well or monetarily I'm not going to come out ahead. And they choose to forego it, take extra time off, or go find courses and events that suit them more. Uh, you know, obviously some people adapt and, and take on that, you know, mentality as well. So yeah, I, <clears throat> I, I totally understand both sides of it. I don't, I don't think there's a right or a wrong per se, but it'll be interesting to see if we will have more golf in those areas like you're describing. And I guess this is also the segue to two things. One, first of all, let's, can we all get back on board? Even if you're not, Get on board. A-tiers are three days. Disc Golf Pro Tours are three days. Uh, majors are four days. Nope. Worlds are five days. Nope. That's Just not saying. How, no, not, that's not how we're doing it. That's not how it's ever going to be done. go ahead and time nope. that's, nev- Go ahead and time stamp it because that's how it should be done. Fl- take, anyway. Take that idea, write it on a piece of toilet paper, walk <laughs> to your bathroom, and flush it. It's gone. All It'll right. never happen. How now. about <laughs> now that we have Elite Series Plus events that are all four days? You will never get a time when we get to a specific set like that. It's just I have I agree with you. I, know. I would love it, but that idea is gone. Just blow your nose with it and throw it in the trash can, Terry. It's never going to happen. I know. I know. It should be. And then while we're at it, while we're while we're while we're. Uh, um, blowing our nose in the wind. I think that's the official phrase, right? Uh, While we're doing that, I'd like to just add right in there, for the love of God, people, there's a hundred reasons why there's not a tournament in your area. They usually start with the two biggest. The two biggest being, well, it has to start with somebody has to put in a bid to host any form of large-scale event. That's the most obvious, like the single most obvious. They're not just literally throwing a dart at the calendar and saying, yep, that city's hosting a pro tour event or a major. All right. So somebody has to put in a bid. And part of that bid has to be a qualified organizing committee along with courses that suit it. If you're missing any of those three things, shut the F up. Like it's it's beyond it's every year. So I know I'm just going to beat this drum every year, but. You have to, there's, and there's, there's 97 other things, but those are the three that immediately jump off the page. All right. You have to put in a bid, you have to have the courses and you have to have an organizing committee that's qualified to even host an event. So that's, if, if you don't check any of those boxes, don't worry about the other 96 boxes. If you check them or not, you have to check all three of those. And it's just when our tour schedule is released the the barrage of people that then you know complain and say we don't have an event why don't we have an event there's your answer all right and then you also have to consider maybe those event directors they like to do things their own way there's the pro tour is great but you also you know when you're when you're running an event you've built it up then you're all right i want to be on the pro tour you've got to change your 
maybe your historical date. You've got to change this. You might have to do, you have to do things differently and not, not play by the rules that you have built. And that's not a bad thing. That's, uh, you know, but some, some events might want to say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do, do things my way. And, uh, we're going to, you know, we love the pro tour and watching it, but that's a lot of work. And maybe we don't want to do it this time of year, X, Y, and Z. What's the added cash yeah. requirement for an A tier? Is it twenty five hundred or five thousand now? Uh, I know it's been a while. Uh, but it, uh, just assume it's either one of those. To be a pro tour event, I think you have to have at least fifteen thousand dollars added cash. I think there's a huge. That, that sounds roughly right. Yeah, twelve thousand five hundred was the last I heard, and that was a year like or that. two ago. Sure, so and, and that's, that's probably. If, I'll right. tell you what: if you only raise twelve thousand five hundred, you're going to be the, probably the smallest DGPT event. Um, True, because there is a huge jump from when you're even if you have an established A tier, an A tier that's been running for seven years and it's been great, and it fills up and it runs so smoothly. That TD might not have the capacity to fundraise that that amount of money. So it's there's so many things that even if you have those things, it's just it's such a difficult thing to ask somebody as to to do in our sport is to run a pro tour event or a major. Yeah. Or and then we're doing, and then kind of uh, along that note, um, I, I don't want to say it's quite my final word on it. Um, but also just know there's still just 52 weekends in a year and inevitably something's huh. going to conflict somewhere. We're only and, covering like 30 of them, Terry. We have all <laughs> I, winter. There's going to be like 2,500 sanctioned events or 3000 or 10,000 sanctioned events next year, whatever the number is. There's, there's just going to be a conflict. Does it suck? Absolutely. I miss my favorite two events of the year every year for the last five years because I'm working a pro tour event, and I would love to go play and be at another event. But there's just going to be conflicts, and and I understand that some of them suck. Some suck more than another. I get it, but there's going to be a conflict, and and people just cannot seem to think past themselves when it comes to some of these conflicts. And and there's like a point B to that, a subsection to that, which is if you can't play in a pro tour event and in a master's uh, per age protected event on the same weekend, cause they conflict again, make up your mind. What, what are, what do you care about? Does it, does it, is it unfortunate they overlap? Of course it is for you, but we're talking about a handful of people. We are talking about just literally a handful of people that can perform well at a master's event and perform well on an elite series event. Your Johnny McCrae's and your Barry Schultz's and your own Scoggins and a handful of others. Is it suck they conflict? Sure. But we have to appease thousands of others, not six people that this, this afflicts. So I don't know. That's my ranting for, for now, but it's it's I just wish people would think outside of themselves for a moment. There's so much more to it than just you and your schedule, and including the TDs like you just mentioned. Um, there's so much more. Um, it will kind of just coast off of that thought. Alan Risley brings up it's three thousand for an A tier and now twenty five for an elite series. It's twenty five grand 20- added. To, for an you elite have to series. have to host an elite series event. Yeah. So speaking That's of amazing. all of that money, it was also announced today of the Pro Tour finale this year. What? Is the, the Pro Tour Championships is 
$302,000 purse. They like to just get it up just barely above $300,000. So $302,000. And uh, last year we had some really cool sponsors in uh, Guarantee Rate Mortgage, I believe, Johnsonville Brats, and eh, somebody else. But this year, Barbasol Shaving Cream. Dana, you look like you need to shave. Terry, I shaved today. Shaving a haircut. You two bits. shaved it last year. We no, know I you shaved, did, Johnny. No, I shaved this morning because if I if I'm going to get a haircut, I always shave in general. But the funny thing is, as everyone says, our disc golfers don't really use Barbasol to shave. They use them to dye discs. Mm-hmm. Buying so, nonetheless, right? That's right. Exactly. Just you know, it's you're we're finding a use for something that isn't necessarily because let's be honest our hairy hippies that play on the course aren't going to shave but they are going to die discs so <laughs> uh, what what do you think about that number dana Three hundred and two thousand. and mpo and fpo i believe the top four or five spots all get paid the same it's like thirty five thousand, and then twelve thousand. i'd have to look at the numbers for sure but they're they're equal right down the, right down the line yeah. See, you know, I feel like instead of like pumping it all in this year, they should be like going back and, you know, paying the players that <laughs> you know, made yes. the finals and you know, didn't get a lot of money. Like the yeah. ones in like they 2018 be and 2019, maybe 2017. Hey, I'm good with that as long as we're going back to 2010 and retro paying uh media personalities. If if as long as we do that too, dating back to 2010. Yeah. Um, huge, huge number. Um, and you know, I'm, I've been torn about the, the timing of, of the pro tour finals because I call me, you know, I guess these call me old school, but again, you know, <laughs> Winthrop USDGC, like the practice rounds and then four, four rounds on the course after a long season. It, to me, again, it's always it's always felt like the end of the season. And then to, to come back around that next week with the, you know, the biggest payout ever. And this huge event, I feel like, gosh, I don't, I wish it was, I almost wish it was, I understand why it is when it is, but, um, great on them for, for getting added cash and the, the outside sponsors, um, last year, this year, it's, it's just, you know, we're going to continue to see these new, big names come in and, and sponsor disc golf. But, um, you know, if, if players, players weren't hyped up about the pro tour finals, they, they damn well better be now after, after seeing those payouts, because that's, that's some disc golf rich money right there. It certainly is. It, it's funny how so, quickly feeding off of what you said, how quickly we all felt that way about USDGC just two years ago, like two to three years ago, everyone was saying, Man, the Pro Tour after USDGC, it just feels like we should be wrapped up. I don't get that from... I, I haven't heard that in two years. Honestly, I haven't heard anyone say that on social media, on anything. Everybody gets pumped for the Pro Tour finale because of the money they've pumped into it. They did exactly what they needed to do in order to make this... To quickly establish this event as a premier event. Because had they not added a bunch of this extra money, it would have continued to feel like an afterthought. But by throwing and sponsoring and getting all this money into the event, they immediately 
pushed it up to a premier event that players look forward to. And now that is the end of our season. And, you know, with the exception of like the wraparound silver series that no one who really tours regularly is probably going to play. You might get a few locals, but, you know, you're not going to probably get your big guys to go and play. But the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championships is the end of the season now. And it's amazing how quickly we uh, we can adjust. Well, Terry, I know you got a point, but Johnny, talking about the these silver series, because it is silver series this year, events at the end of the year, those points go for next year. So, I mean, these some of these players that are on the outside looking in, they might be booking flights or planning trips to, uh, where is it, Virginia and Florida? Is yes. that where the yep. – pick get a get a jump start on those points? Because, I mean, man, uh, as as I proved uh, a few times, you just got to get in. You got to get in and then get, get hot at the right time for the Pro Tour Finals, and it can be – you know, it can be a life changer. It wasn't for me, but maybe maybe for someone else. <laughs> you know how I know Dana's old? Because he's like, yeah, I, I, I'm proof of that. Whereas of last year, we had Nathan Queen, who <laughs> came from the first round, barely got in and won $30,000. But no, Dana, your, your run back in the, in the late 2010s proves it. <laughs> it was even before that. We'll never forget, Dana. We'll I, never I'm, forget. I'm here for you, brother. You almost took down that Macbeth um, character. Yeah, cheater. Um, yeah, I, I, let's put it this way, and, and, and maybe the final thought on it is that the Pro Tour, like you guys just said, with the added cash and going even after the the uh, USDGC, I think I think wants to ultimately overshadow. I mean, let let's be real they they have um, an absurd amount of money. They they have had for the last few years. This year's no different, and I don't think it's at all out of line or or even a question that the pro tour wants to be like a major and or supersede a major. You're talking about the stiffest competition uh, on tough courses with a ton of media and an absurd amount of cash. Like what about that doesn't scream major other than? the unique format. And so I think if you, if Jeff spring were on the call with us right now, he would say, yeah, why you guys should be having a conversation about how the disc golf pro tour championship is as big as any of our other big events. It just doesn't quite have that M or that distinction PDGA wise, but obviously it checks a lot of the other boxes and if you keep having a splash like that in terms of the added cash and the equality with the women and the payout, even though there's half as many, you're talking about, um, you know, life changing is maybe a little bit drastic, but you're talking about a, a massive um, momentum shift in our disc golf tournaments and, and what it means to be closing out the season. So you just just think about it right now. Five years from now, we may be saying, yep. And the USDGC just is is no longer you know what it used to be because the Pro Tour Championship is so massively anticipated and successful and and wealthy it it may be dwarfing the USDGC. We may see the roles reverse. Think and I and I th- the way I just the analogy I have is when the Pro Tour started, everyone said, yeah, yeah, the Pro Tour is great. We think it's going to be all right. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. But the National Tour is where it's at. 
just a bunch fast of B-tiers. Forward three or four, <laughs> yeah, fast forward three, four, five years. And of course, eventually the Pro Tour consumed the national tour and the Pro Tour was the preferred tour overall, if we're speaking in generalities. So I'm just saying, if that's the, if that's the long-term plan and goal, they seem to be on the right path. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, um, Dana, um, I'm, I'm just I'm kind of going through a list. I actually made a list of a couple items to talk about tonight. We've covered most of those. And um, how about we'll 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 end you with this, and then we can let you we can let you cut loose. Um, the five spots and the two spots. We'll call it the five spots for uh, USDGC. It ultimately became two spots of uh, of earning their way into the throw pink. Um, did you did you consume any of that? I know we had a show and everything else, or did you maybe just take a look at the names? A fellow a fellow Illinois golfer got in. Uh, what can you tell us about Ian, if anything? Cat Daddy? Ian Cat Daddy? Yeah. Good good kid. Uh super excited for him. I definitely uh my the Monday qualifying and Monday qualifiers all, all of a you know I like I said, I, I've tried Monday qualifying and didn't make it in. And back in those days, you could restart. I think I played mm-hmm. two full rounds and two half rounds <laughs> in, a, in a day and had some good rounds and choked them, choked them away. But, yeah, I, I was definitely following the scoring to see uh, see who was going to get in. There's, uh, you know, there were some really good players uh, trying to get in. You know, Johnny McRae was, was a person I was keeping my eye on. He's – uh, he's gotten in on Monday before and I their day about Monday qualifying and who's, who's had the best finishes. And, uh, I believe Johnny McRae is, has last year in 2020, he got 10th place coming in off Monday qualifying. And then I believe, uh, Anthon maybe, uh, was another one. Josh Anton in 2012 got third place. Uh, so, but yeah, I was keeping an eye on Johnny, wondering what what he was going to do if he's going to get in. You know, he's of course he's had just such a a wild year with the heart attack, and then also then winning the made winning the major and everything. It would have been interesting to see him get in get in there. And of course, he's got history at Winthrop. Uh, I think the Pro Tour just posted his uh, hole 17. From from way back when, when uh, he could couldn't find the island. Um, but anyways, yeah, I was I was definitely watching it close and uh, saw that Ian qualified and there was a there was a, a four way playoff for the last two spots and um, yeah, ex- exciting stuff. And I think was it plus one was the the final tie spot. So, I mean, I'm always interested to see what the, what the Monday qualifying is going to shoot. Cause it gives us a little bit of an indication of, of what we're looking for, looking into for, into the week. Obviously there wasn't any of the uh, top of the top of the line elite players out there playing, but uh, high, high stress level round. Um, and yeah, Ian, Ian got in, um, uh, I saw you had an interview with a, a guy that's got a call off work. Uh, I'm trying to think of his yep, name. Alex. 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 Zyrus. 
Yeah. Um, who, who are our other qualifiers? <laughs> at least his, at least his employer is a, uh, is a disc golfer. So if, if there's yeah. anyone that understands the significance and the severity and the, uh, depth of the, uh, of the request, it sounds like it should be his, his boss. <laughs> yeah. Um, who, who are the rest of the qualifiers? Do you know? Off the uh, top we had Joseph head? Anderson, uh, Ian shot two under Joseph Anderson, Anderson shot one under Aaron Doyle shot even, oh, yeah. uh, and then, and then the rest were at plus one and it ultimately ended up being Alex and, uh, uh, Max, uh, Regetneg, oh, I think yeah. is what it is. Uh, yeah. Max. yeah mm-hmm. And then, uh, we had a couple world champions on the, the women's side, Sarah Cunningham and Paige Shu. Play, yep. play their way in. Um, but, yeah, the, the Monday, uh, it's it's turned into a – it hasn't turned in. It's always been that that high stress, but now so so much more with the opportunity to only play one round. So every shot counts. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how, how those players fare. Uh, typically it's, uh, you know, looking at this list, there's a lot of missed cash uh, if, if you were a Monday qualifier. Um, cause I mean, you, you put, you put it all out there on, on Monday and, you know, get in. And a lot of times you, you've got to play and hang out all day in case there's ties. And it's just a, a long, stressful day and, uh, just round of disc golf. So, uh, best of luck to all those, those Monday players that got in and we'll see if, uh, any of them can claw their way into the cash. And that's another, that's a question I've got for you guys. Maybe you can answer it. This, Historically, back in my playing days, they never posted the payouts until like after the final round started. So you never, never knew where the the money line was going to be. And gosh, that was I think that was the year Climo lost his his cash streak was at a USDGC, and he had a I was right behind him. He he I, I, I should say we <laughs> were were both a little perturbed at uh, the fact that we were outside of the cash, you know averaged well in well above a thousand and and got in and look at the payouts and it's they had chopped it way 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 low so but then there's mm-hmm. years where they play super deep so it was always kind of a crapshoot do you know if uh the payouts are uh I, going to be posted or are posted ahead of time especially well, talking pro tour uh popping so- News. So per PDGA rules, and, and, and I'm, I'm a little dated on this. I don't run as many tournaments as I used to. Uh, and according to the board, I was apparently wrong one other time. But uh, no, per PDJ rules, I think it's a rule that the that payouts for a tournament have to be posted prior to the start of a final round. And that could be one minute before the start, whatever. But they have to be posted prior to the start of a final round. So if you're playing in a two-round event, you're supposed to have payouts posted before that second round starts. Obviously, four rounds, blah, 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 blah. I just went out to the uh, PDGA page where there sometimes is a projected payout uh, button, and they have not filled that out or gotten to that point on the – at least on the PDGA's page. Now, is that somewhere else within the USDGC page? Possibly. But I'm guessing, I'm just guessing, we're not going to see that for a few more days. And part of the reason, I feel like, in years past has been, is they kind of arrive at a final payout and a final added cash line based on sometimes how well sales go inside the the pro shop on site. 
you know, if you if you do a hundred grand in sales versus seven grand, you know, using some extremes, you that may affect how much you're gonna add into the purse. Maybe you were gonna you're hoping to add thirty, but you have a really great sales week, so you can actually add forty K. I, again, I'm just making up some numbers here, but I think it won't be till much later in the week that we'll see payouts. And quite honestly, this goes back to what I was saying before. There's a lot of events that probably are a little gun shy that don't live up to massive payouts by some of our most elite events. And and so what you used to maybe beat your chest about and be super excited to brag about now you might be like just on par or maybe even a little below some of our crazy new standards as the bar continues to raise and you shouldn't be ashamed of it, but it's no longer the the headline of, hey, we're giving away 15 grand. Well, they're giving away 35 grand the next weekend. And so yeah. again, just postulating here, but payout definitely, uh, let, let me put it this way. <laughs> I'd bet a stack of Frisbees that the payout for this weekend will not supersede the payout for next weekend and therefore isn't as much of a conversation piece. You're, the title's more important than the payout here this weekend. Agreed. And then to also, uh, yeah. I'd be shocked <laughs> the, if, if first back. place wasn't 50, at least 15 grand this, to, this uh, weekend. I, I think sure. based, based on a lot of what the other events are doing, Worlds was a twenty grand payout. Next week's mm-hmm. going to be a thirty-five grand payout. USDGC has always f- liked to be un- unique, is one way to put it. But they like to be up in the uh, the numbers. So it, for sure, I don't know, and I don't blame them. They're a major; they should be. I think that uh, fifteen grand feels like a. Uh, the 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 rightish number fifteen to twenty wouldn't shock me for first place, and uh... well, let's put it this way, and I and I actually had to look this up because I didn't know. Uh, twenty nineteen was Conrad; he won twelve k. Twenty twenty one, I skipped twenty twenty because I didn't get there yet. Macbeth did win twenty k last year, which was by far. Oh, did he? Um, okay. So yeah, which was by far the largest payout. The largest. Then I think it's going to be twenty again at USDGC. I think it'll so be 20 I'm guessing again. 20 or 25 if I had to guess. Yeah, I'm going to guess 20 as well. I think they're going to stick about the same thing. Mm. And I wonder, you know, piggybacking on what Terry had said uh, now with uh, spectator passes, uh, funding, funding payouts or partial payouts going into that, like, you know, there's going to be a ton of people that, want to come and watch and haven't bought tickets yet. So watching the weather or, or otherwise, or they're disc golfers and don't plan well, whatever the case may be. So, uh, but whatever it is, I'm going to be here in Illinois watching on the disc golf network, or uh, going to have an earbud in my ear listening and uh, hanging out with the family and, and doing things. But uh, I got to say, it's, it feels good to uh, to get back on with you guys. I I appreciate that uh, that I got the the invite. Um, it feels good, um, and it feels good to talk to you and see some really familiar names out there and in, in the chat. So, yeah. Well, right, before, before Dana, you go, Dana, Dana, before you go, give us give us your quick prediction. Mm. Who's taking MPO? Who who who's taking? Uh, well, who's taking USDGC? Who's taking Throw Pink? Yeah, I'm going to start start with the throw pink, and 
Uh, not going to really step outside too far outside the box here, but Tatar has just been so, so dang good. And her forehand is, has been uh, damn near perfect. Uh, it seems this season, but uh, if I was, if I was to pick someone outside of Tatar, I'm, I'm going with own. Uh, I, I like, uh, I like how the course sets up for her. Um, and she, she's hitting 30 something percent or more of those circle two putts. And I don't know, I, I love, I love cheering for own. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking at own and Tatar on, on the FPO side and man, the, the men's side, um, I keep thinking about hole 17 and, and the pressure and four rounds of, of throwing in bounds on 17 and, you know, can, a can again and Burr, uh, get, get through hole 17. I, you know, he's, he's had a great year, but hasn't, has he popped off a big one this year? Um, so I, I was kind of leaning towards a new player, but, uh, you know, we got Ricky Wysocki. He's, he's never won at Winthrop. In fact, he's, he's missed cash quite a bit at Winthrop if memory serves, or maybe just once. I'm not, I'm not sure. I feel like Ricky has never, uh, really excelled at Winthrop is, is does he have momentum on his side and can he, can he get that monkey off his back? But, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, it's either Paul Macbeth or, or a new player. We'll have an, a new champion, mm. uh, or, or Paul Macbeth. Mm. So, I mean, he's on team disc mania. He's been playing really well this year, but he hasn't done well at majors. No Simon. Is, yeah, is this, a, is this a course that's set up for Simon without him throwing forehands? Yeah, I Simon. I mean, he's he's an absolute wizard with the the frisbee with the disc. Like I, he's got all the skills, uh, and I I hope uh, I hope the Simon that shows up is is the A game. Uh, you know, we we see what we saw at, at Maple Hill last week. I mean, he's got four elite series wins this year. Uh, that would be killer and. I don't know. I thought I thought maybe for a second you were going to say something about Kyle Klein, who last year, you know, went went to a playoff. We we haven't seen him uh, in the winner's circle this year. So, uh, had, but has had a really strong year. So maybe maybe he's going to catch his stride out at Winthrop and find some of that magic from from last year and and, and cash in. But but yeah, Simon Simon and and or Kyle are a couple names that that I think about, and then I you know I mentioned Gannon earlier. Um, okay, you know it's all, it feels like it's a matter of time before Gannon pops the big one off. But again, I, I think about hole seventeen and, and the pressure and the shot, and you know who's who's done it, and it's it's Paul. Um, you know, we, we wouldn't be doing our hard hitting journalistic duty with full blown, uh, you know, scrutiny and integrity. If I didn't ask you about, uh, a, a team disc mania player that, that some, some are saying made a very salty post in Col- Colton Montgomery. And, and I, I guess maybe my, my main question to you is, and, and I'll just read what he posted on his on his Instagram, he said, first time in my professional career, I've missed out on playing the USDGC, but as much as I'm disappointed, I'm not too bummed. This event used to feel prestigious to me, but it just feels like a gimmick nowadays. Best of luck to everyone competing this week. Does he make that same post if he qualifies? Well, clearly he'd have to change some of the words because he would be in, but 
like how how does is that is that tough to to read thinking like you miss the cut but then you 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 kind of you know talk trash about it but it was an event you were just like literally hours ago trying to get into yeah i'd i'd say if i was uh you know his social media manager or manager in his in his ear i would have I would have said, "Hey, mate, let's maybe think about uh, let's think about this post before we throw it out there." Because, you know, he—I think he did make a follow-up about about that af- afterwards, mm-hmm. and probably after catching catching some heat. But yeah, it was wasn't the best, uh, you know, it wasn't the best thing to say, in in my opinion. But if that's how he, you know, if maybe that that's how he feels. But you know, ultimately, if you're a pro player, if you're on the tour. USDGC, you want to be there. You want to play in it, whether you think it's gimmicky, whether it's got, you know, some crazy, crazy things, mozzarella sticks or, or whatever it is, you want to be there. You want to be in it. That's what you work hard for. You want to, you know, play great every weekend, but the majors, worlds, United States, disc golf championship, you know, that's, I feel, I feel for Colton and, you know, maybe he, you know, maybe he means it. Maybe he regrets it. I'm I'm not entirely sure. But if if I was whispering in his ear, I would have said, uh, you know, put this in your draft. Simmer down now. <laughs> come back in an hour. <laughs> yeah, I and here here's what I will say. I totally agree with him in the sense that, you know, his follow up post essentially said, hey, you know, um, I'm, I'm I might be a professional, but I'm still entitled to my own opinions. And that is just clearly part of the crazy world we live in that, you know, whether you call it cancel culture or whatever, just the idea of like, he can have an opinion. Uh, I think we can respect his opinion, agree or disagree with it. I think, you know, like some maybe had accused Ricky of um, it. Some, it just I think there was a timing to that opinion yeah. that didn't sit yeah. well. You know, you you literally just didn't qualify. And then you're saying this. I, so I can understand how the timing played into that, maybe more so. You know, he posts that a month ago or in a month, and it's a different story. Um, yeah. But the fact that he literally tried to qualify that morning, didn't get in, I think that's that's probably where it struck a chord. But, I, you know, I, I do like the idea, though, that our players shouldn't always be explicitly beholden to towing the company line. And yeah. it's just a matter of like, where's the right and wrong with all of that? So, anyway, yeah. Well, you well, know, I, we're, we're hard hitting journalists, Dana, and you yeah. work for Discmania, and he throws Discmania. So we did our job here, damn it. Yeah, and you know, I definitely was thinking about Ricky when I when I read that, and I, mm-hmm. I think you guys had him on after he posted or after that whole whole thing. I'm I still need to go back and listen to that because. I don't get it, <laughs> Rick. But maybe he made some good points when he was when he was on with you guys. But, anyways, um, here we are, dragging on, trying to get <laughs> okay. in trouble. No, like no, 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 no. Uh, I, I, I want to say thank you for joining us. We're gonna we'll, we'll talk about uh, you know Nico his his uh his suspension reduction. We'll talk about that. We've got a few other topics here that I actually wrote down that we can go over, but uh, we'll cut you loose for now. And uh, thanks for joining as always. And uh, 
yeah, we'll have to uh, see where we can uh, have you. You're always welcome here, Dana. But the history, I think, of some of my first USDGCs or my early ones, uh, you and I enjoying some of the festivities out here for some of the parties and uh, just the iconic <laughs> place that it is and, and the how special it is to be here. You and I uh, picking up some Paul Macbeth uh, rock threes that Paul didn't really want, but then sold for a bunch of money and you yeah. sold yours for a big profit. And I'm holding on to mine still for much bigger profit. There, there's a lot of memories here. For sure, Terry. And, and yeah, I cherish those and uh, I, I do cherish my, uh, my Tuesday nights over the years on Smashbox. So uh, good. Hey, good luck on there. Good luck out there at Winthrop. We'll, you'll be on the, you're on the ground for men and women or what's your story uh i'll be uh having um (laughs) i'm gonna challenge myself to come up with the most absurd (laughs) little snippets and interviews ever when people come off the course uh my i am tasked with the idea of as players come off the course to at my own volition uh, grab various MPO players and then have a chat with them. That's going to be all part of the bonus content. And I, I'm just going to put out a disclaimer right now. It might not be golf related. If, if, if there's somebody I haven't seen in a while and it's time for us to have a little catch up session and they're on the 33rd card anyway, well, it's time for us to talk about, uh, we're going to get weird. So, uh, I, I want you to have uh, a really great interview <laughs> with some, like somebody off like the, the 15th card and then just ask them the most random, like, so what's your favorite nightmare on Elm Street movie? And just a complete, just the most off topic, weirdest question you can actually ask somebody. Just have a list of them, have yeah. like 15 of those questions and just rattle them off to different players. Oh, how uncom- How much can I make them yeah. squirm? That's a oh, great man. question. This, the, okay, we're coming up with good ideas here. So anyway, <laughs> Dana, I'm, I'm interviewing MPO players. That's going to be bonus content for everybody that's subscribed to the Disc Golf Network. And then every night, myself and Christine Jennings are going to be heading up the FPO commentary for post-production. Uh, so anyone that watches that will get Christine and I. So that's, that's the majority of my assignment. And then every night... Founders willing, I'm going to be right here in this seat, and I might be giving you my own personal takes after all of that when I'm officially off everyone else's clock and I punch into the Disc Golf Guy network. Then, uh, then we'll see what happens. All right. Well, mm. whatever. You're, Maybe whatever you'll join you're for one of those. I promise it'll be fun. Oh, oh, tasty. All right. Well, whatever you're doing, right, go pal. get them. Johnny V, we know where you'll be. I believe in you and. <laughs> You and the rest of the crew back there, best of luck and smash these. We'll, we'll see you, uh, I don't know, maybe again soon, maybe in a year. Take care. <laughs> good night, Dana. All right, Mike. love you, buddy. Have a good night, Dynamite. All right. I, I'll, I'll say this. If, if Dana's prediction comes true and own somehow wins, the, there is going to be tears Coming from so many people watching own win, it's going to feel almost like the uh, the Paige Bjorkis worlds. Like just that would be the greatest story ever told. Ah, uh, uh, I'll reiterate there. There is zero reason why she couldn't win. I agree. I'm just zero. Course. She she's very she keeps it in bounds. Usually she's very steady. Keeps it straight ahead. She doesn't have a ton she makes of distance. every freaking putt. And she makes every freaking putt inside of 50 feet practically. But yeah, she just can't. All right. So 
can't seem to hit hit that number one spot. She's been two, three, and four, feels like. so. Going for that number one spot. So real quick, with that, that's a yes. great segue, Johnny, that you didn't plan, nor did I. But I'm going to go do. over to UDISC. I'm going to check out the win probabilities. And mm. I pulled up FPO because you were just talking about can, them. Can I guess? Kristen can I Tatar. Guess? Kristen yep, Tatar. Well, I think Kristen Tatar is at 54%. Ooh. That's low. <laughs> Damn. They have, this is UDISC, and these are just probabilities. So they're magical numbers that were calculated. And you got to go throw Frisbees. That's why you, you, that's all that matters. But they have Kristen Tatar. This is UDISC win probability listed at 64%. Wow. Paige Pierce, 6%. Own, 5%. Katrina Allen, 5%. Henna, 4%. Missy Gannon, returning champion, 4%. And so what's crazy to me about that is, <laughs> excuse me, not only do you have Kristen way up at 64%, there's not a clear-cut second. No. The next like the next seven women are all within four or five percentage points. So I, I, I'm not a stat guy, but... They're basically saying it's Kristen, or maybe there's a slight chance for anyone else, but we pretty much think it's Kristen. It's to me that's incredible. Now I'm gonna say there's gonna be a very different uh scenario, I'm guessing, on the MPO side, a couple clicks over. Ooh. Thanks to our friends at UDISC. This is not a paid advertisement for UDISC. Um, but uh, I will be using you all week. Uh, so I Macbeth win percentage, to, win Mac, probability. Win probability. Macbeth has to be the favorite. Macbeth. I'm guessing at 24%. Close, 17%. Waisaki, 14%. Got to get that monkey off his back. Matt Orem, 11%. Gannon Burr, 10%. Dickerson, 7%. Heimberg, 7%. Kyle Klein, your runner-up last year, 3%. Simon Lazat with just a 3% win probability for this particular event. So, but... Here again, it's 17, 14, 11, 10, 7. Like, there's not the disparity between oh, right. first and everyone else like there is on, on the FPO side where Kristen's the heavy I favorite. I think part of that, and, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm going to say this, but she has such a high win percentage because there's so much of the field that can't win. Like, like if you look at the field, and again, I'm, I say can't, I'm talking less than 1% chance that 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 your middle of the tier FPO field just doesn't win. You, whereas of the MPO yeah. field, you have your Isaac Robinson that will win. You have your Gannon Burke, sure. your Drew Gibson. Those guys will pop off and win because they have the potential to. Uh, half of the FPO field feels like they're all playing for fourth at best. And they all shift up and down. So I, I think that's why Tatar has such a high percentage to win, obviously, and her history this year, where she has not finished off of the podium. <laughs> you know, yeah, which is too. crazy because I saw a stat that showed that the last time that it happened was back in 2015 by Katrina, and then you think, wow, it's been it's been seven years since that's happened, and but Katrina did know, it back I, to back I, years, 2014. Yeah, and I think it's easy. It's two full years. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's easy though. Um, it's easy almost to dismiss it, but from back then a little bit more so than it is today where you see so much more 
uh, just the the division is so much more diverse and it's just so much deeper. And that's not to take away from her dominance and her, her skillful play all those years, but it's it's less surprising to see that from back in those years than it is like it is today. Like to think Katrina didn't finish outside of third this year is honestly a it, like I've said it you, you, probably you ten Tatar. times. Tatar. It, oh, I'm sorry. Kristen Tatar hasn't finished outside of third this year. Her closest uh, to that was tying for third at an event. If I, this is off memory, but it almost sounds disgusting just to say it and to think of like that level of consistency throughout an entire year. And it's not like she played seven events. I mean, she was in the thick of it at every event. It's just, it's mind, it's mind blowing. And, so, and you would think uh, the funny part is you would think, wow, that's quite an accomplishment. Like that's amazing, which it is. But then you go back to the FPL field and it's happened eight times or whatever that number is. Like it's not unique for the FPL field. Um, it's amazing accomplishment, but we've seen it before. Yeah, but that's a numbers thing. A little bit more of a numbers thing. Partially. I mean, because that. when Katrina did it in 2014, 15, there was what? Probably seven. There's six elite, six elite tier events because that was before the Pro Tour. Yeah. And then your majors, which you probably had maybe three majors, we'll say. So, uh, arguably, and granted, she had, the, I remember those years, th- those were phenomenal, but... Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I agree with Tatar. It's the sheer number that she has done. I mean, we, we had, there's got to be what? She has to be in 13 or 14 events where she hasn't finished out of it because I know she missed some of the pro tour being overseas, a few events, but still amazing. Yeah. An amazing year for Tatar. Yeah. Uh, so let's quickly jump over to, I know I'm waiting on Sarah Nicholson of Throw Pink. I saw her as I was leaving the Innova warehouse today, and she's like, hey, I got this. And I'm like, yeah, send me that note. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten what that note was. Uh, there's some reminder. I know there's going to be something really cool during the opening ceremony tomorrow. That I can't spoil. But she had other stuff to remind me of. And so I'm waiting on our favorite smashy, Sarah Nicholson. Uh, and and I'll follow that up by saying, and we already touched on it, though, um, there were two qualifiers uh, at the last moment. Vanessa Van Dyken, unfortunately, had to withdraw from the Throw Pink event, and she made a long post about that, saying her significant other had uh, has had uh, COVID, and she's been sharing space with him, and therefore she felt it was best to withdraw. That allowed for a second competitor to become uh, to earn their way in on. Monday qualifying, and as you just mentioned, that was Sarah Cunningham, your 2010 world champion, and then Paige Bjorkis, your 2018 world champion. So kind of cool to see two world champions qualify uh, in those positions. Um, Paige Bjorkis, who is now Paige Shu, but yes. Did I just call her Bjorkis? You did. Or did you before? You did before, so it threw me off. I think maybe I called her Bjorkis when I was talking about her world championship, which she was Bjorkis then, but she is Eh, Paige Shu now, so... That's just the founders talking. So um, <laughs> it's not the backwoods yet talking. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Um, uh, okay. So real quick, let's. Uh, there's two. There's two very big conversation pieces left, in my yes. opinion. Um, one being, for sure, Nico Castro. It's been kind of finalized and official that his appeal and his suspension had been reduced. I feel like this was last week, but maybe not. Um, had been officially announced and reduced from a nine-month suspension back down, well, not back down, but down to a six-month suspension. 
and that you, many of you would say, who cares? It's three months. What's the difference? The difference is how 2023 starts and the fact that he won't miss. I think if he would have had that extra three months, I think I read somewhere it would have been, he would have missed like six or nine, maybe six of the elite series events for 2023. Um, so there's like six obviously events that uh, he wouldn't have been able to get points for and everything else. So it, the, the suspension in a sense, I don't want to say felt more punishing. It was exactly what it was. It was nine months, but it was, it, when you looked at the exact timing of it, it definitely carried even more weight than just being suspended for the end of this year because of the way it carried into next year. I don't know if the lesson is, Hey, do dumb shit earlier so that it doesn't affect your next year. I, I don't know what the lesson is there, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to do something dumb, is, make sure it's before, <laughs> just plan it. like make sure it's exactly before like July. March. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah. April, May, June, somewhere around there. And then no. <laughs> I, I think the, no, number- but the serious takeaway is that it's it's been reduced by three months, which has a massive impact on on his play, on his earning potential, on the 2023 season, the 2023 accolades. Like it has a massive implication to the 2023 season by him having three less months on his suspension. So that's, to me, why it is definitely newsworthy. I think the number that they eventually arrived at, six months, is feels, because everything is all feels here, because there is no right or wrong. It feels like an appropriate number based on the severity of what he did. He intimidated an official. There was no contact. There was no... Like there, there was what I, I get it. So and in today's yeah. day and age, when we have such high purses that these players are relying on and Nico being a unique situation where he doesn't really have a disc sponsor right now, partially due to what he did. Um, so he's not making any money outside of disc golf. So he's he's very reliant on his tournament winnings. Should that matter? Uh, maybe, maybe not, but I do feel like six months feels the right. The issue that I and others have is, and we won't get any answers from the PDGA because they don't really comment on disciplinary action, and I don't blame them, but why was it reduced? Why was it what it was in the first place versus what, you know, the the standard default, I think of, you know, I think they said it originally was supposed to be like 24 months or 12 months or something, which is what the PDGA, or I forget exactly what the numbers are, but there there is just a little, um, it's it's a little arbitrary, I'll say. And I think it's the right number. I, I, I have no problem with six months. I feel like, as I said, based on what he did and what he missed out on, it feels like an appropriate punishment. It doesn't feel extreme it doesn't feel like they let him off lightly i saw a video I saw yeah i mean on, there, there's no right or wrong there's to no, this argument. there is no there's, right or wrong it's literally a gut exactly feeling. i mean it's there's just, plenty of people that are screaming right now you know f that you. he got off light and he got off too light and then just as many sure. people screaming f you he shouldn't have been suspended for more than 10 seconds and everything in between and again that's that's it's quite subjective i will read because i i think back to reading uh 
Colton. So I'll see if I can quickly paraphrase. This is a very lengthy uh, message. Uh, but Nico, just today, this is maybe why it's more significant. So no, I'd like to take a few moments to, to thank everyone who supports me. I am exploring my options as a free agent into 2023. I'm working very hard behind the scenes to set new goals for myself on and off the course. Thank you to everyone at Clash Disc who's been supportive. Uh, they're really nice people that I call friends after the European Open and the Clash crew supported me when I went into therapy re- uh, retreat in Sweden for a couple of weeks. At that time, Clash offered to help cover rescheduling costs of my flight on the way back and stayed in touch in a very positive way. That meant a lot to me. Uh, big thank you to Gateway, everyone else, da 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 da, St. Louis native. Uh, this is a very long paragraph. Um, uh, my uncle Dave McCormick, who designed over 100 courses. Thank you to everyone who has sent me encouragement, inspiring messages, and want to continue on my journey and strive for greatness. With all respect to my previous partnerships, I'm taking the time to weigh out my options and consider what's best for me as a professional. I could be throwing a mixed bag or be exclusive. I love the sport, the people who play, and everything it encompasses. It's clear to me I, I was born to do this. I really couldn't imagine any other lifestyle. Looking forward to my official return in 2023. So. Best of luck to him, of course. Um, and we'll see. We'll see what that means. But as of now, it's been officially determined that, uh, yeah, he's been reduced from nine months to six months. And many of you already know, with the nature of the big money skins match taking place in a in two weeks or two and a half weeks from now, mm-hmm. down at the Eagles Crossing course, that's not sanctioned. So Nico, along with lots of other high-profile uh, players are signed up to be part of that. So, um, best of luck to them. I, what, what, what is it? Fifty grand a first? I think is what they're giving away. Is it? Is it that much? It's amazing. I think it is. I think it's fifty grand. How come I wasn't invited to try, for, try to win that? I, I don't know. I mean, you, your chances. Hey. <laughs> Let's check the U disc win it, probability. It's match play. My chances are. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, as, you can get hot for 18 holes. It's as good as anybody as long as I get on a card no, where everyone's pushing. No, they're not. As long as I get no. on a card where everyone's pushing no. and I throw one in from 300 feet, no. I've got a chance, Terry. <laughs> no, you still don't. Because <laughs> uh, somebody else will be parked when you're throwing in from 300. That's and like, the cool, point. Good birdie. And, you'll be, and they'll be like, yeah, I'm yeah. still underneath the basket <laughs> for birdie, though. I'd be like, yeah, but I made a push, <laughs> jerk. Now you're going to lose the next one. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to play uh, and, spoiler. And as we get into another very quick but serious subject, also today, uh, the PDGA sent out a an email, an email, a pre that said Terry likes to call these teasers. <laughs> yeah, this basically said that there's another email slash survey that should be arriving tomorrow, and and funny. Uh, here it is. It says on Wednesday, October 5th, which would be tomorrow, uh, they'll receive a link to a survey as part of a research study that is being approved, that has been approved by an institutional review board. With the results from the survey, the researchers help, uh, hope to learn more about transgender people's participation in sport. Blah, blah, blah. Here's the link. Uh, the summary results of the survey may be used to inform PDGA policies or publish in an academic journal. The researchers are not collecting the name or PDGA member number. Your, and this is in bold, your survey responses will be kept strictly confidential and your name, PDGA number member, 
member number, email, or IP will never be associated with your individual survey responses. You must be at least 18, and it should take you no long, no more than six to eight minutes to complete it on any device. The link can only be used once and cannot be shared. Participation is voluntary, and you have the right to withdraw your consent or discontinue participation at any time without penalty. So, go do the survey. Like, oh, there's please. obviously please a ton of conversation about this. Go do the survey. Um, it's for men. It's for women. It's for any current PDGA member that is 18 or older. Go do the survey. Now, as I was... <clears throat> um, the first question I had for the survey is, will this affect policy? And when? And I don't think I've really been answered on that, but not till next year, not till next year. at for, Yeah, of course. Yeah. At earliest, of course. But it, it has the, op- it has the results then have the opportunity to help shape and mold. And which is funny to me, shape and mold new policy or new or old or existing policy. What's crazy to me is the, the amount of people that immediately the first response was, well, are, are the are the results going to be published? I hope they are, but and we're not entitled to them. That's kind of how I feel. Um, what I'm what I'm most worried about, and 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 maybe this is just me trying to find, I don't want to say solutions, but what I'm most worried about that will will will, will here, here's what I'm predicting that will cause the most quote unquote conflict is let's just play pretend and say that this survey comes back and it's 55, 45 or 50, 50 or 60, 40, even pick, pick your numbers where there's not a definitive over overarching, like resounding response from any one position. 60, 40 either way is pretty heavy. Mm. I don't. I, mean, I think 70-30 is. I think 75-25 is. 60-40 to me is... It's close. And again, maybe it depends on the, on the participation. Yeah. But the point of is, course. if it comes back 90% you know, wish X and 10% wish Y, I feel like at that point, or membership base has spoken. Mm-hmm. Does that mean... Like, you know, you know, we're, we're wiping our hands clear of any, you know, of anything else. No, but at least the, the opinions have spoken loudly, whatever, whatever, however it falls. And I, I just, I cannot say this enough. I want people to participate in the survey. I don't care where you stand on the topic. I know there is, there's very impassioned people on, on every side of this. And I just want people to participate. And I hope it blows away the results that we see that we saw from the pre- the previous election, the one that just took mm-hmm. place. Because immediately when the election happened, some people said, well, that was really a referendum on this topic or that, or, you know, this kind of, te- you know, tested the waters. This survey is exclusively geared toward uh, our overarching conversation issue. about... Yeah, transgender participation within disc golf. And 
And I believe that it's going to be broken down to some degree, even though it's going to be anonymous, it's going to be broken down of, do you, do you play in division blank? Um, you know, do you play professionally? Do you play on a, on the tour or a tour or whatever? There are going to be like, there are going to be lots of ways to skew this data, regardless of how you, like you were, I think you were just hinting at, because if, if they take a poll as to what division does John Van Dersen play? I play MPO. And what, how do you feel about transgender athletes? Well, I feel this way. Okay. Now you take Paige Pierce. You play in FPO. Um, how do you feel about it? Will it matter if, if FPO, like if you can break it down and skew it where FPO <clears throat> emphatically says, I'm cool with this. And and then you have a, a large portion of the membership base that says, I'm not cool with this or vice versa. If FPO says we're not cool with this, but they're only 6% of our or seven or 8% of our uh, membership base. And a majority of people say, no, we are totally cool with this. How there is a lot of ways we're going to be able to look at this data and, 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 <clears throat> and skew it to the way you probably want to see it. It just depends on how <laughs> it's going to be perceived by the PDGA. Does it matter if you're an FPO touring player versus an FPO local regional player? You know, th there are a lot of things because this isn't an issue that is just FPO. There are so many people, and I want to say this right now, there are so many people right now that just, I see on the internet that, that just say, well, I'm an MPO player. I shouldn't have a say in this. No, wrong. A hundred percent wrong. Go take the survey because there are, I, I've said this before on the podcast. This is a PDGA issue. This is not just an FPO issue. This is not just a pro tour issue because what we do will reflect how the PDGA looks to the public either direction. If we're, if we go towards the side of, we'll, we'll just say acceptance of transgender athletes in FPO. If we go towards the sides of exclusion and I know even putting it in those two words makes it feel like I've already decided or I have, I, have a, I have a bias. And I do. And everyone here knows it, which is fine. But regardless of how we go is going to look, you know, we already saw that one article that came out about Natalie Ryan last week. And there will be more depending on what the results, not the results of this survey, but the results of what the PDJ decides to do. So this isn't just an MP or an FPO issue. This is a PDGA issue. Please, pretty please go out and make your voice heard. That's that's primarily what I want. And I know Nova's on the board here saying that polls for acceptance of people always lag behind laws and policy. And she's 100% right. You know, she, she quotes the uh, 90s with interracial marriage or you can even look at gay marriage you know, th those numbers were skewed for years and there's still people that don't accept it. So I, I agree with you, Nova. And I think that in, in this instance, particularly, I don't know, though. I, I just hope that everybody, like you said, everybody goes out and makes their voice heard. And I am very interested to see what the results will end up being. <clears throat> I, well, and, and, I, I, I just... Yeah, I, I will continue to beat that drum just like I did with, um, uh, you know, with just overall voting within the PDGA board or really any time there's a, a democratic process of some degree. Now, some people are already challenging and saying, though, 
regardless of how this poll comes back, is that how we should be dictating policy? And and my my response personally is, well, th- that kind of gives us a little bit of the temperature of the room or the temperature of the water, whatever analogy or cliche is out there. It at least does at this point in time. If, so if, if 95% of our voting body that voted in this, that votes in this poll or takes these results, if 95% of people feel one particular way, whatever way that is, uh, as a club, as a, as a, uh, I think we're a 501C like four, we're not a three or C9 or whatever we are, we're a sporting organization. We are a membership based club of sorts. I'm okay with us at least being dictating our policy based on on those types of responses, whatever that might be. That's not to say it can't change. I mean, yeah. without getting too political, clearly <laughs> all these years of precedent with Roe v. Wade or whatever have recently been overturned. And whatever policy that gets made with regard to our transgender athletes nothing's permanent. here in the Yeah, nothing's permanent. In in twenty years, whatever's decided could be absolutely flipped on its head. But if right now the the temperature of the room states blank, then and it's a resounding, especially if it's resounding, well, then maybe we go that way. I don't know, but um, he, I, I just can't say it enough. I do want to repeat, though, this is not a PDGA. This is so crucial. This is not a PDGA assembled survey, survey and research. This is done by, uh, I have it written down somewhere. This is done by smarter people at third like, doing actual research. A third party. The and PDGA I- will take the results and take the submissions and whatnot and use it to then influence and or be part of it. But this is not a PDGA funded, uh, exclusively funded and or assembled research project. And I think that is crucial because, uh, you know, everyone could say there's going to be a particular bias or slant to it. There's a ton of factors that go into having a research project done of this nature, and it has to check like 50 boxes, and this is going to do just that. And we might, so and we those to me are, are of this. crucial. We don't know if it's just PDGA. They might be uh, asking ultimate players. They might be asking like this particular survey and result it might be bigger than the just the pdga there could be you know spike ball or whatever there could be looking at a lot of niche sports i i, I don't know um, um I, don't, I don't know if it's just a p if this if the pdga just did this survey on their own for the research it felt like the research paper so to speak was something bigger than just pdga but i i um i, I think it's with specific to disc golf no is it, it specific? is not okay it is, and 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 I think okay. that's part of the argument that's happening right okay. now. Then is, I take that back, and and I, I I very much disagree with Dixon Jowers, who happens to be right in his post, happens to be right in front of me, which kind of frustrated me. Uh, he posted earlier today and said, "So the IOC made their changes in November of 2021. The PDGA began working on this in January of 2022. Now in October, they are sending out a survey. The wheels of progress are blind, blindingly fast." Um. I, I think he's being sarcastic, sarcastic there, right? Yeah, exactly. And sure. and to, to that point, I'll say this to anyone: How many effing surveys? How many effing studies do you think we have in that are disc golf specific 
to our transgender athletes. I'm going to guess there's effing zero of them. So I, I get it that everybody, this is a hot item and everybody's really worked up about it. And I understand that. But at the same time, do you think just like multi-million dollar studies just appear out of nowhere? Like it really frustrates me that someone as smart as Dixon Jowers would have such a, a, a yeah. cocky statement about it when he should understand, because I know he's a smart guy, he should understand that no matter where you fall on this issue, something like this doesn't just happen overnight. And, it sh- and, and it even if we be do rushed. have a study in disc golf, exactly. And, yeah. and like, and I understand, as others like, would say, it's, it's a very public, it's a very public issue right now. I get that. And I don't want it to be rushed. And honestly, I think the survey is coming at a perfect time. I wouldn't want this survey to come out in June because then you have four months of people screaming at the PDGA or five months or six months, like, where are the results of our survey? And if the results come back, then you have got people, let's just say they come back in August, then you've got people screaming about how changing the policy. Like, no, it's the middle of the season. I would rather this time do it in the off season. Let's take care of it. We can address it in the off season. We don't have to make any weird mid-season changes, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. My question is, and I'm glad they're doing the survey, but, how different of a survey, I want everyone to think about this, and, and yes, this might be me trying to skew the results. How, what if we change our policy and Barbasol says, cool, see ya. We're not interested in that type of uh, advertising. We're not interested. Like, are we, which is why I say partially this is a bigger, this is a PDGA issue and not just an FPO, MPO issue. We need to look at how we're perceived. We need to kind of go where the winds blow if we're looking at getting bigger sponsorship. Does Johnsonville brought just does guarantee rate mortgage? You know, if if we are looked at as an we'll just say exclusionary sport, does that change how major sponsors look at us? And do we should we care about that? I mean, because I'll tell you what, if if you tell the players your pro tour finale is going to be a $302,000 purse or it can be a $200,000 purse. I'll tell you how many I'll tell you how many of them are going to vote. Yeah. Right, right, right away. And granted, that's a that's a made up scenario that I have no idea what the right answer is. I'm just saying, like, we do need to look at what, what how the PDGA looks publicly because it, it, that. That and the DGPT because they're they are hand in hand right now. They're walking down the, down the aisle with the you know a, together. We'll say they're walking down the aisle together because if the PDGA makes a decision, there's a very good chance the DGPT is going to follow those particular rule sets. I don't foresee there being a, a scenario where the PDG, as much as I would love it. If the PDGA changes, I don't think the DGPT is going to go against that. But I don't know. Yeah, not likely. Not likely. Exactly. So anyway, um, we can move on from that at, subject. At any rate, we, my, we have my, beat it to death for a while. Yeah, it, and it's yeah, exactly. And it's not worth arguing with people. I, I'm not. It's so funny that people want to scream about it who think I'm necessarily arguing for or against them. That's totally fine if you want to continue to to bark in the chat. My my takeaway here is vote. And and respond to this survey, 
I know plenty of people have very loud voices about a lot of things, myself included. So just go fill out the survey. Let's see what the survey comes back and, and then go from there. And I, I know uh, there's even some objection to that, which is understandable. Some people have said to me, hey, you, even if the survey came back, you know, 99% in favor of, of keeping the policy the way it is, some would still say, well, I don't care. I still feel this way yeah. about it. And that's not how we should necessarily uh, create policy based on public opinion. I understand that argument as well. I am just most interested in what the survey does come back as because if if the the board member vote some were saying was very much about you know one this one issue if you just looked at that one issue and the board member the PDGA board of directors votes you would think that it wasn't as much of an issue as some people say it is. Now, this survey may say the exact opposite. I, I don't know. I just want you to fill out the survey to your heart's content, whatever that is. I don't care what your opinion is. Just I just want you to fill out the survey. And so then they can analyze. And again, let's, let's, let's make this very clear. These are professionals that are doing research, which is more than like 99.9% of us have ever no, done. Terry. I read a Facebook article. I know it all. Okay, well, except for you, then you're you're an effing genius. But everyone else, <laughs> but, 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 but. anyway, my point is, please just fill out the survey. That that's what I'm asking of you. You can get all mad at me if you want for no good reason, but I'm just telling you, fill out the survey. I'll fill it out. Everybody should fill it out. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what is said there. There's still no promises. What I worry about the most is the survey comes back and it's 50-50 because then what do we do? Then we you rely on... You have 50% of the membership being really pissed off and 50% of the membership being content. That That's my only worry. And, and uh, you know, and I don't... we I don't rely be... on our elected officials to do what... Um, we just have to, at that point, we have to rely on our elected officials, like it or not, regardless of how they're going to vote. That's just how it works. And we're going to have to rely on them no matter what, whether it's 50-50 or 70-30, we have to rely on them. So, I, I, correct. Yeah. but And, and, and I, I don't believe I'm about to say this, but I will. I do, because you say stupid things sometimes. That's fine. This isn't stupid. <laughs> And this is, it, it's borderline embarrassing. I'm, I even am going to say it. Ella Hansen is not a transgender athlete. So oh. if you do, fucking post that, do you know why people think that? Because she has short hair and she throws far. No, 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 no. Not just that. Terry, I, I'm, I, I swear. And I, I know this sounds very strange. If you do a Google search. For Ella Hansen trans, and I did this, and I and I, I shoved it. I swear to God, Terry, there is an Ella Hansen on LinkedIn who is who supports trans for whatever reason. Because I've seen this, I've seen this screenshot. Google took every every Ella Hansen from LinkedIn and gave them the same description in their link. And I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and I, I don't know. It looks like it looks like it, I'll have to grab grab my screenshot because I screenshot it. There were four LinkedIn's for Ella Hansen that all had the exact same description 
They took one Ella Hansen and gave a description. So you see people copying and pasting this Google search like, no, look, it was on her LinkedIn. I'm like, no, it wasn't. Cool. Check your fucking research department because you're wrong. So that that is one of the reasons why that rumor is being spread. I I took a screenshot. I posted on Dixon's page and at one point showing, hey, look, here are all the people. Here are all of the the ones that all say Ella Hansen with the same the same description. It's a Google indexing issue. Please stop spreading this. Cool. So what is this 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 Google's not always right. Maybe you should (laughs) shut the F up. Like I'm with you. We could go on and on that. That is one of the like weird things that somebody found somewhere and decided to share because the link did go to Ella's actual LinkedIn page. But then if you look at all the details in her LinkedIn page, it was all different versus what the Google description, the short description was. So I'm just saying, if you see that out there, people, if you see that out there, people, because I've seen people post it like, like it's proof for some reason. It's not. What? Ignore it. You're telling it's me the garbage. internet's not always right? It's not always telling it's, the truth or or it misguided you? And frankly, it's none of our God. fucking business. Exactly. That's why but, I say I'm embarrassed to even say it. I know. Because it's so, not my business. That, it's not her business. That is, like Yeah, that that is just, what that that is one of the reasons why people are so adamantly saying that. So just know that if you do see that, it's bullshit. That's it. I just, it's it's so pathetic that it has to be stated or seemingly has to be stated or that people just immediately feel like that's where they should go with the conversation because Ella threw 552 feet yesterday and you're immediately oh, going to somehow degrade her in any capacity or lob out incorrect insults. And I'm just, I'm just sick of it. And this goes back to point number one, which is here, let's just like be nicer to these people to to literally everyone. Like, let's just be nicer period. Like I'm showing it on the broadcast because I I dug up the screenshot that I had. Um, Last time I checked, she wasn't an it DevOps. She wasn't a journalist and she's not impact investing analyst in turn. So, um, there is the exact description from everybody, but people are clipping only the top one and 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 claiming it as some sort of truth. So there, that's that's out there. We're done. We don't need to talk about it anymore. All right, moving on. Um, so let's talk trash about. No, I'm just kidding. Now um, can we talk I, trash I, about? No, I I really don't have anything else other than the woman I would like to talk a little bit of trash about. Who is it? I don't know her and and she was having a bad day maybe or maybe it's just her mo this is maybe after show fodder but i i had to i ran into the walmart right next to the course yesterday this is after show fodder i can feel it already but i did come back out and the lady the lady you know you know all the memes and the jokes about like people who do or don't return carts like or put carts back in their stanchions or whatever this lady put some stuff in her car then put her cart up on like the island so it wouldn't maybe go into other cars and then gets into her car and and then takes off her Walmart smock and i'm like wait a minute you work here you work here you jerk you literally just left a cart in the parking lot for one of your coworkers um God bless her. She maybe had a bad day and had somewhere to be. Her her actions said otherwise. 
uh, or her urgency. And, and I, I do not hate her, but I definitely had my head in my hands thinking, what did I just see? I just take my cart and push it towards another car and drive away. <laughs> I hope there's somebody in there to stop it. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Isn't it a game where you see how far away you can get from like the cart return and you just <laughs> shove it and hope it goes straight? You don't play that game? Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Yeah, Alan, let's suspend her from the PDGA. I just... You know, and you see people not return carts and you're, uh, you know, whatever, you're whatever. But she literally was wearing her Walmart smock still. And I just thought, like, you work here. Oh, and, and maybe what drove me crazy is she was parked closest to the store. There was no parking spot closer to the store than hers, which tells me she was probably first in there, maybe at 6 a.m. God bless well, her I for being an early riser. I totally understand. She takes the closest spot to the door. You either have to walk the all the way the back day, to the store, or you have to walk <laughs> further into the parking no, lot to put your car away. She's closest to the store, <laughs> but you she, still have to turn no around and walk fifty person. feet. <laughs> <sighs> God bless her. God bless her. I, you know, I, I takes all kinds. It does. I, I, again, let's talk policy over person. I, I, I wish there was a policy that said she had to pay. A dollar more next time she went into Walmart. I don't know. All right, guys, let's close it out. We're going to take Wrap a quick commercial break by our friends at Founders. And uh, we're going to thank Dana Mite, Dana Vici. This, this one went a little off the rails quick tonight. But uh, thanks to Dana Mite for joining us, uh, talking a little bit about uh, USDGC, the throw pink. Uh, also, please go out, vote. And I, I hate saying vote. Uh, fill out the survey. Uh, go out and fill out the survey. It's, that survey is supposed content. to be in your email it's in the next day or It's supposed to drop tomorrow. Yep. Yes. Uh, I heard as early as tomorrow. So get out there and uh, let your voice Check your be spam heard. filters too, people. Check your spam filters, all that good stuff. The survey, excuse me, is being conducted by a team of university researchers working with the PDGA Medical Committee. They are not asking for your name or PDGA number, as we discussed, and your individual responses will be kept strictly confidential. So, can I put my stuff uh, in there and anyway? A summary of the results may be helpful in informing policy. Those are some talking points for you. All right, guys, USDGC Throw Pink Week, uh, closing out the tour, looking into 2023. Big week next week for Barbasol. Big week this week for USDGC and the folks at Innova and the PDGA, another major. And uh, our, our friends at Throw Pink, looking forward to absolutely all of it. Uh, we'll close out the regular show. We'll uh, come back in the after show and have some more silliness for you. For Dynamite, for Johnny V, I'm the Disc Golf Guy. We'll see you in the after show. Let me step inside the smash box. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashbox TV. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 